enjoying an episode of The Crown. The Crown is a series on Netflix which, which talks about the, uh, it dramatizes the early reign of Queen Elizabeth, who obviously is still alive and, you know, is the queen of many lands. Um, I've really enjoyed watching the series. We've, we've gone through five episodes so far of the first, uh, the first season because of the historical nature of it. It's just so interesting, many events that are detailed in it, and I'm sure extrapolated in different ways, like I just had no knowledge of. So it's just so intriguing to see kind of, you know, this queen in such a long reign and how those things have affected things. And one of the themes that I have picked up on, at least that I think is a theme in, in the series, is this theme of like, does the, the, the queen and the royalty really matter? So, you know, does what, what's happening in the royal family, does that really, is it, you know, is that really real? Like, does it really, you know, matter all this, you know, pomp and circumstance and the decisions that they make and all that stuff? So the way that the series, I think, does this is through a number of characters. So Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth, interacts a lot with Winston Churchill in this one of the different episodes, you know, the, obviously the actor that plays him, as well as flashbacks to her father who became king after his brother abdicated the throne. And actually, her uncle, the king, king Edward VIII, who abdicated the throne, is also a character in the series. And uh, so on both of these sides, you see this theme emerge of the brothers saying, this is just a bunch of nonsense. This doesn't really matter. Look at all the money that they're wasting on these ceremonies. Last time we watched the episode of the coronation in 1953 of the queen. There obviously hasn't been one since. And he's just making fun and kind of mocking this, this, this ceremony that really doesn't mean anything. And on the other hand, you have these flashbacks of her father saying, you know, the crown is important, it matters, and Winston Churchill deferring to the queen's decisions on different things. So all of that to say is, the question that I want to pose today is, you know, we often think, does my life actually matter? Now, maybe some of you are like going, what the heck, Brian? You were watching that last night? The Red Sox were on. <laughs> so I'll ask you another question. Yeah. Right? Does the Red Sox winning the World Series really matter? And some of you are saying, of course it matters, right? And I know in some part of you say, okay, I know it's really a game. It doesn't really matter, but it really matters, right? It, it really does. At least in 2004, it really did. Okay. So all of this to say is, hey, we often come upon different seasons in our life where we go, man, we struggle to live life. You know, we're slogging it through the daily thing, paying the bills, engaging with a crazy, you know, job. Uh, we're, trying to, we're trying to raise kids who, you know, don't want to sleep or eat, which are necessary for survival, right? Um, you know, there's yard work. There's, there's you know, prior, trying to prioritize your marriage, getting a date night once in a while. There's, there's we ask you to volunteer at the church. You're trying to work that into your, your life. You know, let alone trying to, you know, bring the kingdom of God or disciple a city or see the ends of the earth people that have never known the name of Jesus, hear that name. How on earth are we supposed to live this life? And does what we are doing in our little, everyday, seemingly insignificant lives, does it matter? Does it really matter if I, you know, if I just give it another go another day? And how do I even do that? Well, if you like these questions at all, we are entering into an awesome series. And it's on the book of James. 
And the book of James, I would classify it as really, it's the Proverbs of the New Testament. So James, which is actually a really bad anglicized version of what his name is, it's, it really should be more like Jacob, uh, was the brother of Jesus and probably grew up hearing lots of Proverbs in that Hebrew kind of wisdom literature. His mom just saying, you know, look both ways before you cross the street. That's not in Proverbs, but, you know, that's our version of that, Okay. It would have been very familiar with that book. It was a collection of all of those sayings that the Hebrew people would have used to impart wisdom to their children. And so obviously he comes through this discovery that his brother is the Messiah, his brother Jesus. And so he's kind of bringing into this wisdom literature of the Old Testament, he's bringing in the Sermon on the Mount most heavily in terms of the teachings of Jesus. So the book of James is kind of this, this mishmash of wisdom sayings. There's actually... People refer to it as like 12 different kind of separate teachings throughout that book after the first chapter, which is really just what we're going to go through today, is a summary of the rest of the book. So just to rehash that once, the first chapter, James is going to go through kind of an overview of the whole book, and then chapters 2 through 5, there's 12 different teachings. We won't cover all of them, but we'll hit on specific ones that are just kind of wisdom sayings that have obviously been influenced by the teachings of Jesus. And so this book is really all about how to live life and that it matters. And here, guys, is what we are going to find. Faith works. Faith works. It really does. When we choose to believe what God says and trust him with our lives, it will enable us and empower us to live our lives well. Faith works. When we believe God, it actually impacts the world around us and even to the ends of the earth. And secondly, that also means this. When we have faith, when we believe God, it always results in an impact. It always results in an action. It always results in us changing the way that we are living and impacting the world around us. Faith works. Mm. All right. So we're going to go through the first chapter today. If you have a Bible and you want to look, around, look on, you can do that. It's also going to be up on the screen. If you, you know, James is almost to the very end of the Bible if you're looking for it right now. So James chapter 1, okay? All right, James, or Jacob, if you want to call him by his probably, you know, more proper name, more real name, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations Greetings. So right here you see the nature of this letter. It's not addressed to one city in particular like most of Paul's letters or a group of churches or even a person like when he writes to Timothy and Titus and Philemon. Nope, this letter is just, I'm blasting this thing out. We're making some copies and it's going to the whole church because what is this? This is the New Testament version of Proverbs, okay? So one thing that's nice then is that like Proverbs, it's pretty easy to apply. You're not having to dive into a lot of context for the book or trying to understand what was going on in this specific city. Boom, you can just read it, and for the most part, it just hits you right where you're at. Verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, James hits the dock running here. Life is hard, and your faith is going to be tested. I'm with you, brother. I'm with you, Jacob. Life is hard. Right? Jade and I purchased a two-family home this summer, and uh, the tenants moved out in the middle of September, and so 
We've taken the last five or six weeks to fix this place up. Just paint all the walls. Uh, my dad hung a door that um, someone did a, a very interesting doggy door on. We have a picture of that here. There you go. If you want to make a doggy door, it's a great idea. You never know what's going to happen. You buy a house, okay? I attempted to refinish a floor, repair a vanity. Um, so that meant a lot of nights, you know, putting the kids down, seven, eight, or sometimes nine, and then going to work, you know, two, three, four hours, you know, whatever the night was, you know, open, often up until midnight. And, you know, that, that was hard. It was a challenging season, right? Just saying, we got to get this thing ready so we can get some rent and pay our mortgage. Life is hard. It's exhausting, right? Taking care of three small children, trying to run a church, you know, and then also fix up this apartment late into the night. Life is hard. I heard uh, uh, the other day a fellow Harborite, who may or may not have been on the stage today, tell the story of a, of a coworker who complained about, you know, the last three nights their kid's not sleeping that well. And he kind of had this little, like, twitch in his head as he was telling the story and go, Ugh. and he said, I haven't slept well in three years, you know, because he's got three small children, you know? Okay, we got one lap on that. I thought it was really funny. I didn't tell it as well as he did. The point I'm trying to make is, guys, life is hard, and the Bible is owning up to that. James, right from the get-go, he's talking about this book about how to live. He's saying, look, first paragraph, life is tough, right? It is hard, and even adding to that, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's not unusual that things will be more challenging for you, that you may be persecuted for your faith. Right? It may cause you to lose things in life. He's, he's owning up to that, boom. First paragraph, he's saying, I understand this is difficult. But then he continues, and he says something that is totally crazy. And you know what? Consider that a pure joy. I mean, just, man, just when life gets hard, just don't even make lemonade. Just say, man, this is such a delight. I'm just going to sit here for a while on the lemons. Right? Okay? It's, I mean, it's crazy. Are you feeling the impact of that statement when someone is reading that? In this letter, like, what are you talking about, James? Okay, you're off the list. We're not reading your letters anymore, okay? What he's really saying here is that there is a point to your life, that your life matters, and there is a point to the suffering, the challenges, the late nights, the lack of sleep. If you persevere, it will bring you to a new level of maturity. Graham Cook likes to say that every challenge we face is an opportunity for an upgrade. That's really what it is. Okay? Your life matters and faith works. When we persevere, right, and believe God and hold on and say, you know what? This is really hard. God, I'm a little mad, but I'm not going to curse you and walk away. I'm going to push through this and persevere in relationship with you. And guys, perseverance is really just this. It's really just saying that. God, I'm not going to curse you and walk away. If you can do that and get to the other side, God will bring you to maturity. Oftentimes there's a lesson there that he wants us to learn. So if we don't catch it, he'll bring that trial around again. Bummer. Because he's, all, he's always after our growth. He's always after us growing up into the people that he wants us to be. The people he made us to be. That's a life of faith and faith works. Faith is just holding on to God, not cursing his name and walking away, and trying to learn the lessons in that hard season. So here's, now James is going to get a little more practical. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, need some, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. 
But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Faith works. It is the key to life. It unlocks the doors of heaven. God promises to give us, in this verse, wisdom in any situation we face if we believe that he'll give it. And you know what? All that's required is a little bit of faith, Jesus said. A mustard seed-sized amount of faith. The journey is to grow and gain confidence in the goodness of God. And here's the hard part, towards me. Towards me. It's confidence. Faith is confidence in the character of God towards me. Right? Every inclination of God's heart is good to me. God is good all the time. All the time God's good to me. Right? And wisdom, really, guys, is just one thing among many that God promises to give us. James just highlighted that one here. And we access all of those things by faith, by trusting God's character, by believing what he says, by taking him at his word. That is what unlocks it and brings into our life. I'm not saying it's going to solve every problem, but it will give us what God promises to give us. A couple weeks ago, I was up early with Sam. It was just the two of us. Sam's my oldest son. He's five. We got a three-year-old and a one-year-old also. And... Um, it was just the two of us. And I was getting him breakfast. I think I was making him oatmeal. And he says, hey, Dad, would you play that song that we played the other day that, you know, said heart and soul? And I'm like, okay. There's got to be a million songs for that. You know, I'm like, okay, you know, wh- where were we? You know, what, what's, you know, tell me a little bit more. Like, I don't think I know. You know, and he starts to get a little bit upset, you know. He's like, no, you know that song that we, we, we did the other day. It's heart and soul. And, you know, and I'm like, okay, warning, warning, nuclear meltdown, imminent, you know, like, divert attention, distract, you know, all those like warning signs that my wife reads so quickly, and I often take much more time to figure out, and so he starts getting more and more upset, and I just, I stopped for just, you know, thank the Lord, I stopped for just a second, because if he had melted down, I probably would have woken everybody else up, and I just said, okay, Lord, I need wisdom, what do I do right now? And so I just kind of stopped. I kind of disengaged from him a little bit. I, I shut my mouth, which is usually a wise thing to do, and just kind of sat there for a second. And I'm just like, crickets, I'm not getting anything. And so I start to feel this little like, God, what the heck? You know, like, give me the perfect answer right now. You know, you said you'd promise wisdom. I said, and I said, okay, I'm going to set that aside. Lord, I'm just, I'm trying to trust you here. I need some help. I don't want him to melt down. And the thought came in, ask him more about the song. Like, duh. My wife would have done that, step one, okay? And so I just said, Sam, you know, what else can you tell me about the song? And he said, oh, you know, it says, you know, a donut needs a hole. And I was like, oh, I got it. It's Barry Polazar. It's I need you like a donut needs a hole, like piano needs fingers, heart and soul. I need you like peanuts need a shell. Nobody else knows that one. Okay, it's a good song, all right? It's a great song, really funny, all right? That little bit of faith, even though there was a little bit of unbelief there, right? There was a little bit of, okay, God, what the heck? You know, like, he's going to melt down. I'm freaking out a little bit. I don't want a disaster. Like, first part of my day, I'm having to deal with a major situation. And God came through. That little bit of faith that I accessed, right? God leaped in there, even though it wasn't perfect, and I wasn't totally patient. You know, I didn't have the perfect solution. That's what activates heaven, guys. It unlocks things. Jesus is always talking about faith, right? Right? Pray with faith. 
okay? We cannot keep flirting with the ideas that our lives don't matter, okay? Or that God's not gonna help us live this life. We've gotta put that away. James is saying it's like when you keep going back and forth, if God is good or if your life matters or God's gonna help you, God's saying, I'm trying to work with you, but you gotta get rid of that stuff. You gotta get rid of that stuff. We can boldly approach God with confidence. We, we can stand on the promises that, sorry, that song just went through my head. You can stand on the promises of God that he gives to you. When we have a little bit of faith and we're just saying, God, I'm trusting your character, that you're good, that you're in this life with me, that my life is important, that I do matter to you, that every moment of my life you are involved and you're there waiting to stand by my side. You might not fix every problem of mine, but you're gonna walk it through with me and help me to do the right thing. Guys, that is faith that unlocks what, what heaven wants to give. And so I'm preaching this to myself. I gotta stop flirting with those crazy ideas that are really lies from the pit of hell. That I don't matter, that God's not there, that I can't do this. That's garbage. That's garbage. And the devil is the only weapon he's really got is to feed us lies. Verse nine. James moves on to kind of another, another he's hitting another thing here. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. The sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Then he's kind of summarizing here. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Okay. I mean, he's saying crazy things again. You don't have a lot of money. Finances are tight. It's hard to pay your bills. Hey, take pride in your high position. What? No, I'd rather have a lot of money. He says, because you know what? Life's just a breath. What is eternal is what's really real, and you have access to that. Through your faith, you have access to impact eternity when you believe what God has said, and you trust him in his word. And your circumstances that force you into a difficult position are actually reminding of you that of that more often. <clears throat> I think I've told this story before, but when I was a kid, I think I was 10 or 11, my family went through a really hard time. My mom uh, dislocated her shoulder when she was walking uh, in our in our yard at night, we had horses back then, and she was trying to feed the horses, fell down, dislocated her shoulder. Prior to that, my dad had, had injured himself playing basketball and tore his ACL, and so he was laid up on the couch in this crazy machine that they used to be, do back then that would, like, flex your knee over and over, like, really slowly at these certain angles. And then uh, my sister got really sick. It was middle of winter, and, uh, and then our pool collapsed one night. Because it, it was so cold that winter, it just froze. It was one of those above-ground circular pools, and it just burst. And we hear this rush of water, you know, like in the middle of the night. So as a kid, I remember sitting in my bedroom and just feeling scared. Like my parents are both kind of laid up. My sister's sick. She's just like quarantined in her room. The pool's exploding, you know. Like what's going to happen next? Like, and I start, my mind starts kind of swirling with like, what if my parents die? what would we do if our house burned down, you know? And so I'm just kind of swirling in this fear, place of fear, sitting at my bed, and, you know, right before I'm going to fall asleep, it's dark. And the Lord just kind of met me in that place. 
I just felt the presence of God in that room and all the fear went away. And I just knew that if I followed God, he would, he would take care of me. You know, regardless of what happened, people died, maybe even I died. I just knew if I followed Jesus, I knew that it would be okay, that God would be with me. And isn't that, guys, when most of the time we do the most growing is in a hard season of life? We look back on it. We don't really want to recognize in the middle. But we look back and we go, man, that's where there was a breakthrough in my life. Or that's where I really changed and, and, and grew. And that's what James is trying to point out here with this money thing. And again, that's why he comes back to this thing. Money is just an instance of persevering under a trial. And it's not just that we grow. It also says God sees it. He's in it. And he will give you a crown of life that God rewards us as we persevere. It's just a recognition that God sees what we're going through. And he can't wait to honor you as you persevere through those things you're going through. Okay, James is hitting on another subject here. Okay, verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. What's James saying here? God doesn't tempt people. Okay? That's from ourselves, and obviously with the illustration of Jesus, the devil's sometimes in that too. Then his second point is, hey, you know what? Sin's really bad. When we sin, it leads to death. It's always destroying things. Okay? And James is saying again, in another way, listen, guys, your lives matter. Your life really matters. When you give in to sin, it's not just going to affect you. It's going to release death and destruction all around you. Think about maybe that person in your, in, in your, in your, in your life. I won't give a story on this because I don't want to de-honor anyone, but just the, that, the alcoholic person that you know, or maybe it was the, the, the parent of a friend of yours growing up, and just the destruction that that reaped in the family. Right? Sin leads to death and destruction. Think about what pride or fear will do in relationships. Right? It'll devalue someone else. It'll even to the point of dehumanizing someone or control and manipulate them. It destroys things. Right? Fear and pride. The way out of that is faith. It's faith in God being good to us. It's believing that, hey, God is not against me. God is for me. He's not trying in heaven just waiting for me to screw up or throwing things on my way to try to get me to trip and say, ha, you sinned again, right? James is saying, that's not how God operates, guys. God's not tempting anyone. He is for you. He's always providing a way of escape with every temptation. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you can walk out of this room and never sin again? According to the Bible, that is 100% possible. 100% possible with every single temptation. Right, this is Paul now. Sorry, this is in James. I'm pulling in another verse here. With every temptation, there's a way of escape. Now, it's not to say God is saying, okay, and if you don't measure up to that, now you're condemned. No, because when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. He knows we're we're all a work in progress, and none of us are ever going to achieve that level of perfection. But God's trying to build faith in us to believe that Whenever there is a temptation, we can overcome that. He's always there giving us power to do it. 
And so he continues in verse 16 to talk about how good God is. God's not tempting you, and now listen about God. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Every single thing in your life that is good, this is saying, is from God. Everything that is good in this world, it comes from the heart of God. It was not our idea. It's God's idea. Love is God's idea. God invented love. Love, the Bible says in 1 John, comes from God. Everything that is good in this world, we can say, God, thank you for that. It comes from him. He's a giver of good gifts, not bad gifts. He's not a tempter. He's not trying to trip you up. He is here to help you walk with him. And, be, and the reason, and so in the end of this it says, right? He says, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. That we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. When we put our faith in Jesus as Savior, when we say, God, I messed up. This world is messed up. I know you're trying to make it right. Make me right. Forgive me of my sin. I put my faith in Jesus. His sacrifice covers all my sin, past, present, and future. And I get to be reborn, right? I get to start a new life. I get to die to my old way of life and be raised again as we celebrated last week in baptism, right? God's it's saying here, he's talking about that new creation. We're born afresh and we're given power to obey. Now listen, as you, if you, if I just you know, offer to you, be great to read through James once or twice as we're going through this series over the next five weeks. Here's what you've got to know. In the New Testament, here's the beauty of, of, of one aspect of the Bible. For a Christian, every command is really a promise. Every time the Bible says do this or don't do that, it's really saying you, you can now do that and you get to do it. Isn't that awesome? Every command says you can love your enemies. Church, you can because the Holy Spirit is in you and you access that power through faith. You say, yes, I can do that. Because the Holy Spirit's in me, God is going to give me power to love my enemies. You got to forgive, Jesus says. You know what? You can do that, guys. You have the power to forgive. Every command in the New Testament is really, it's really just a promise. Saying, this is what you now can do and you get to do because the Holy Spirit is there. And our faith in God, knowing that God is saying, if God says I can do this and that I need to do this, then he's going to give me what I need. Our faith activates those things in our life. All right. Let's wrap this up. Verse 19. We'll read these last three paragraphs. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away, immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. In other words, they will live a life that matters. Right? Their life will have impact. Those who consider themselves religious, yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now I'm going, to leave, I'm going to leave behind the stuff about the tongue as James is going to have a lot to say about that in future chapters. But he gives us a little taste here. 
<clears throat> Thank you. Okay. All right. Be a listener. Guard your mouth. Don't go crazy when you get mad. Right? Get rid of the moral filth. Look after those that need help. He's going over a lot of different commands here. But again, he comes back to this. Faith works. When we believe God, it results in action. We are not called to know a lot about the Bible as Christians, although that is a helpful thing. We are called to live the Bible. We are called to do what it says. The mark of maturity in Christ is not knowing a lot about the Bible. It's doing the next thing that God tells you to do. It's obeying the word. Maturity is obedience, not just knowledge. We, we spin that around a lot of times in the Western church because we have a lot of books, okay? And a lot of access to books. Faith works, guys. When we believe what God says and trust him with our lives, right, we access the power to live a life of impact. Faith works. And every time we believe God, it has an impact. When we believe in his character, when we believe in his goodness to us, it will impact our lives and the world around us. And we have the power to obey God. Faith works. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to call the band back up. And what I want you to do is just something real simple, and that is, uh, <clears throat> I just want you to ask God, what's one thing that I have not been believing that's true? Whether it's about him or about you. That's usually where most of the lies are directed in our lives. It's something about me, I'm no good, my love doesn't matter, I can't live this life, it's too hard. Or it's about God, God, you're no good, you're tripping me up, you're trying to tempt me. Just as the band is playing, that's the challenge that I want to give you today. We'll pause for just a minute as they're getting ready, and then we'll, we'll, we'll sing a song. So, Lord, we all have got stuff in our lives that needs to change, and we are just leaning into you right now. So we just say, Holy Spirit, would you come right now and highlight for us, God, what's one thing that you're wanting us to believe about you or ourselves? Just speak to us right now. Thank you, God.